0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 7 of Planet Paradox. I don't know if you guys know this, but the universe is 13.8 billion years old. Yet, here you are, with me, Gilgamesh, and Ryan Lion. What's up, you fucks? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nothing, bro. We're big chilling over here. Just ate some dink-ass pizza, now we're just ready to vibe, fam.
2: Doing okay there. Yeah, okay there.
0: As we speak, there are trillions and trillions of protons entering your body from the trillions of stars up above. And it's entering your warm, moist carcass and giving you life. You'd have to excuse me. I'm going to be pretty deep this episode because I did a lot of things this weekend that has my butter churning, for lack of better words.
1: Mm. I'm curious to hear more of that.
0: I finished one of the greatest games I've ever played, and I watched one of the best movies I've ever seen. The former being The Last of Us 2, and the latter being Interstellar.
2: Wow, you already made your way all the way through the campaign.
0: Already beat it. Took me about 26 hours. And let's just say that I'm shook right now. But uh, we'll get to that later. How are you fellas doing today?
2: I'm feeling excellent, man. Honestly, we we did have a, a little bit of a rough patch today. We were trying to go kayaking. We actually went to about three different locations and all of them were just one thing after another. What each location, there was a surprise like shut down, like there was algae bloom and you're not allowed to swim there. And then the other fucking spots is it was just like there was muck. I mean, it was like the water was lower and it was mostly mud. So we'd have been like kayaking in a mud puddle.
1: Yeah, it was, it was straight up like swamplands. We were like, kind of like sludging our way and our feet were sinking into the ground.
2: Let's just say Shrek was lurking nearby. What, what? what? are you what? doing what? in my
0: swamp? What? 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 So are algae blooms a death sentence or something?
2: Yes, actually. If they're called cyanobacteria. It's, um, so it's actually like cyanide, I believe, in the water.
0: Oh, fuck. I thought maybe you'd just get tangled in it or, and drowned or something.
2: It's only a danger if you swallow it or if you have an open wound. And they also said if you have a pet, if they drink even a small amount, um, they're fucked. They're they're done, ski.
0: Okay, so yeah, it's best that you guys avoid those those rivers. So you ended up just not kayaking at all, or what?
1: Yeah, yeah, we didn't. A- yeah, we called it a day. We were like, fuck it, let's just go get some beers and watch some movies and eat some pizza. So
0: you guys are a little toasty right now?
1: Toasty. Yeah, yeah feeling, a
2: feeling fuzzy. fuzzy, warm and fuzzy, comfortable.
0: What kind of pre are you sipping today?
2: Had a little mix-up actually. Two different beers. One's Mosaic, Caldera Company, and the other one's really good as well, uh, but it's kind of like rubbing alcohol. It's a good life, comatose, imperial IPA.
1: It's funny that you could say that a beer tastes like rubbing alcohol and also call it good. Pretty good.
0: You know, I like my beer to taste fucking gross. I don't know about you guys. I don't like good tasting beer.
2: Absolutely. Let's let's just get past the uh, Bud Light and Budweiser days already.
0: Yeah, grow the fuck up. We're not in junior high anymore.
2: Straight
0: up, I planned on drinking too, but where I'm from, they don't sell beer on Sundays because this is Christ County (laughs) and everybody knows Christ never drank on Sundays. So that seems archaic. It's archaic and I'm forced to drink bitch ass water. So you know what I mean?
2: You should save some wine. You know what? You should start brewing at home, man. It's very easy.
0: I don't know how that'll end up. I feel like I'll get some kind of poisoning and then you guys would be searching for a third host.
2: No, man. Meat is not fuck upable. You just got to not put poison into it. Just put honey, water, and yeast, and uh, you got some booze on your hands in about a
0: month. But I heard poison is the best-tasting part, baby. Ooh, that's that spice of life. Um, it's been about, was it two or three weeks since we last recorded? Two weeks, right? Two yep. weeks now.
2: We're doing a pretty good solid pace. I like it. Solid pace,
0: yeah. And I needed a break there just so I can focus on The Last of Us. But now that that's over, I'm ready to get back into it. You know, maybe record every weekend like we were, but, you know, we'll take it as we go. While we're at it, I'm going to pull something up really quick. I'm going to see something on my emails. Still no goddamn emails. What's up, everybody? Man, what a bunch of pussies, man. Do you guys not give a fuck about us like we care about you? We never did nothing for you, dude. Do you know how hard it is to meet up with these guys and talk and have a good time weekly? It's a pain in the ass.
2: Dude, I fucking hate talking to these guys. We do this just so one or two people might email us
0: and not one has. I'm taking this to heart, and it's, it hurts, and it's painful.
2: What's the email again? Do we even have friends?
0: The email is planetparadoxpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, I know it is a mouthful. However, planetparadox... paradox we should shorten that. ...at gmail was already taken, unfortunately. Can we just put paradox? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's taken. <laughs> fuck. A lot of people like that word. Paradox 69,
1: 420.
0: p <laughs> So yeah, I really don't have much to talk about in regards to what I've been up to, but I do have a bunch of topics here that we can go over. I don't know if you fellas want to start a topic or if you want me to go into one.
2: Before we get too much into uh, pre-written ones, I want to give Ryan a chance because um, Ryan's I'm sure he's got some topics rattling around his noggin.
1: Well... Tim just now showed me this pretty dope show that was called what was it called, Dean? Oh, pee pee poo, pee poo,
0: pee pee poo poo,
2: something like that. Oh no, uh, hyper hard boiled gourmet report. It's on Netflix.
0: Jesus Christ, that's a mouthful.
2: Yeah, hyper hard boiled gourmet report, and it's worth it. I swear to God, the first episode you're gonna watch: ex cannibal child soldiers living in a graveyard, surviving in Liberia. And these Japanese fucking documentarians go into this graveyard where these guys, it seems like they might kill them with a machete, but they end up being very chill.
0: Whoa. So it's not a comedy?
2: No, it's not a comedy. It's re- very real. It's the most real, raw food documentary I've ever seen.
0: How do you find this?
2: Shit? I, I watch, I look for uh, Japanese and Korean television. I really enjoy food shows. So naturally I find Japanese food shows it's tribute, dude.
1: um the the episode i watched was basically um some j- these japanese reporters going to um LA. la they were going to la to see like gang battles there and see how what they eat and they're like they, they wanted, wanted
2: to, to want, find out what was up with the bloods and the crips and what
0: um, the bloods and crips eat
1: it, yeah it, it, it's straight up like hood as fuck it looks like real life like these dudes are just like sitting in a garage and they're like tattooing the homie in the fucking chair and um, they
2: like interviewed the, some ladies and they're
1: like, yeah, all our husbands are in the same prison together. And so it looks
2: like the kids shack, but they're actually doing dope tattoos back there.
0: Wow. I have to check it out. By the way, I got to tell you guys. So I'm on anchor right now, right? Which is the website that we use to make this podcast. And I recommend to anybody who wants to make a podcast to use. It's the easiest way to make a podcast and get it shared across all platforms. We actually eventually have to make an ad for it. So we'll talk about that a little later. However, I pulled it up and it gives you a bunch of statistics, right? We're just a little under 300 plays. So that's great. Thanks to everybody who's listening. I have to give a couple shout outs here. To one of them is my buddy Chase C-Dub, one of the biggest gangsters I know out in Las Vegas. He's listened to every episode. He's always hitting me up, wanting to know when the next one's coming out. So shout out to him. Hell yeah. Out to Esteban Rojas. No shit.
2: I love you, Esteban.
0: He actually messaged me this last week telling me how he loved your little story about getting abducted, Gilgamesh. Oh, shit. <laughs> that story, along with the Silent Hill soundtrack, was the most therape- therapeutic thing he's ever heard. Is that how you say it? Thera- therapeutic. Yeah. There you go. So shout out to him. He loves it. He also says he loves the the stories of our grandma. So we'll have to bring her up a little more as well.
2: Oh hell yeah! I would love to have grandma on here. We have to be like we have to act right on that episode, but
0: yeah, yeah, we have to watch what we say and we have to talk about the slave trade and all that.
2: Carmita would be hilarious on the pod though.
0: She'd be great, dude. We'd find out a whole. Should
2: ask her to tell us fairy tales from her times, you know.
0: I actually just hooked her up with Netflix and she has been going on a binge of every slave movie that she can find.
2: Oh, why is she so into that, man? Did she watch? Um, has she seen Roots?
0: I think she has. Hmm. I don't know.
2: That's fascinating, man.
0: Yeah, speaking of, before I continue on with our statistics on Anchor, I do want to send you something uh, an exchange between Gramita and I.
2: Our Gramita has to be the sweetest, cutest lady in the universe, man.
0: Okay, so check this out. Our grandmother loves Judge Judy. Yeah. She has me hooked on it. She has our grandfather hooked on it now. And she watches it every day. And usually when it comes on, that's usually about the time they release breaking news and shit that's going on in the world. So there's a lot of times they won't show Judge Judy. And she gets devastated every time. Check out this message she sent me if one of you would like to read this exchange.
2: Okay, so I'm going to read. It starts out as a grandma, right? Yes. So grandma's in the black text? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So we're starting out with my grandma speaking here. No Judy funeral for George Floyd on all morning. Paradox. No! I know it! My day is ruined! <laughs> Paradox. At least a black man is getting praise.
0: <laughs> yeah, she was devastated, but I told her. Grandma! This is what you want. You want these people to be respected and recognized.
2: It's an awakening. Did
1: she leave you on red after this or was there another response?
0: I haven't spoke to her in days.
1: <laughs>
2: she just straight to your ass.
1: <laughs> Damn, son.
0: <laughs> Bet she lit
2: Illuminati for George Floyd, dude.
1: Grandma just cut, cut you out of her life, dog.
0: So I've been cut out of my grandma's life. And at what cost? Anyway, let me get back to the statistics on Anchor. Yeah. Our most played podcast is episode one. Of course, everybody was hyped for it. Episode two also has a lot of plays. Three took a little dip, but they came back up in episode four.
2: Really? So yeah. equivalent, there's not one that's doing worse or better?
0: Right now, episode six is the least played one, I guess, since it's the most recent. But um, bear with us, people. We're getting into a groove, okay? Don't abandon the ship yet, all right? We haven't hit the iceberg Yeah, and share it if you have anyone. Send us an email.
2: What's your favorite or what is the shittiest episode and why? I would love to hear that. We're trying to
0: hit that spot. 99% of our listeners are in the great United States of America. Where's the percent? We have 1% in Germany. Really? Interesting. Hey, what's up, my
2: homies in Germany? What do you say in Germany? Like, big ups? um, No, I was going to say. No, I was
1: going to say but i don't think that's what they say in there please email us i want to hear from our german
0: (laughs) it's from thuringia i don't know where that is but somewhere in germany so shout
2: out to the thuringia region and spread that shit to your homies who speaks english um dude speaking of germans i was just watching indiana jones have you ever watched any of those
0: films i've never watched them and i can't wrap my mind around why it's so good like what makes it so good
2: You know what it is? It's the scenes. It's the way that they cut the imagery. It's literally the way they shot the scenes. It's like every scene is framed to where there's some action going on. I was telling Ryan earlier, I was trying to ignore Indiana Jones in the background while I was like washing dishes and shit. But I was like, there's a fucking boulder chasing this guy. I gotta pay attention for a second. You know what I mean? One ridiculous thing after another. Dude, I swear to God, at one point there's a monkey who belongs to Nazis, and it does a sig Heil. It does a, it does a Hell Hitler thing, the salute.
0: Whoa.
2: And it fucking, you can look up this clip online. It's on online, um, Hitler, Nazi monkey, Indiana Jones, but this fucking monkey does a Nazi salute. It's ridiculous.
0: At one point, there existed a Nazi monkey.
2: Yes, there was a Nazi monkey, and by the way, the director Steven Spielberg's Jewish, so.
0: I mean, um, think about it. That monkey doesn't know they're just acting. Yeah, he doesn't
2: know what he just did was incredibly wrong, but I want that monkey to apologize, or he's canceled, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, that's fucked up, and I refuse to watch this movie until the monkey releases an apology video.
2: It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. I want to hear an apology, or no more Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's where I stand. Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: Nazi monkey. Goddamn, <laughs> 1981. That monkey is dead as fuck, dude. That's
2: what Hey dude, oh, no is he, he dead? dead? He has to be. Well, that no doesn't absolve him of his sins, though.
0: Let me look up a monkey lifespan real quick.
2: Does death absolve you? That monkey's burning in hell. <laughs> it's a Capuchin monkey, for reference.
0: Monkey lifespan, Capuchin. Fifteen to twenty-five years. So rest in peace, little guy.
2: Oh, that fucker's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Those are some mischievous-ass monkeys just looking at their faces.
2: Seems like they would face-fuck you in a heartbeat if you don't pay attention.
0: I think there's reports of people getting face-fucked by monkeys. No doubt, man. I'm looking at the Anchor dashboard, and 56% of our listeners are coming from Spotify. That's that's nice. Nice. Um, 41% from Apple Podcasts and 3% from Other. That has to be our German friend, right?
2: Yeah, sprickens the chill homies.
0: <laughs> That's kind of cool now, because if we ever take a trip to Thuringia, Germany, we have a place to stay. I'm oh, sure. my
2: God. We will do mushrooms with you guys, dude. Like, let's get it. <laughs> I don't know if I can commit to that. I'll drink you can do coffee. one mushroom, dude. Like shiitake, fucking oyster or something.
0: 95% of our <laughs> listeners are listening from iPhones. 5% from other. That's cool. Now, on to the genders.
2: Yeah, well, can we add the non-binary in this? It is listed, in fact. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a great list here. What well, percentage of our listeners are non-binary. Guess before we list the
1: numbers. Oh, I want to know how many of our listeners are black midgets.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> that is not listed on this website. They need to fix their shit and incorporate black <laughs> midgets. God damn it. I wish they uh, had just one
2: uh, <laughs> fucking god damn it, dude.
0: Take a guess at how many percentage of our audience is male.
2: Uh, probably you rice
0: right, prices right rules. you can't go above closest to the number. okay, 75%. I wanna
2: seventy five percent's a very solid guess that's that's high though. I'm gonna say sixty seven percent
0: Rhiney. you win a brand new car eighty
2: two percent My God, yeah, of course it would all be guys. We're
0: disgusting fuck podcast is a sausage party, baby. <laughs>
2: Shout out to cousin KK
1: listening to Emerald. Yeah.
2: Oh
0: yeah. Also um, cousin Jesse. Jesse said he loved the shit. He
2: thought it's funny.
1: Shout out to my homie Alex.
0: Thirteen percent of our listeners are female.
2: Hey. hey. Shout out Sheila. <laughs> it's just Sheila listening thirteen times.
1: <laughs> this is that certified real trap shit. Sheila Alicia.
2: Alicia does not listen to this. I would not let her listen to this shit. (laughs) I would not. Yeah. I think my mama got some of those percentage points. I think she says she doesn't listen, but she secretly probably does. She's Josie as
0: fuck. Dude, your mom has some fucking incredible stories.
2: She's a G, dude.
0: We need to get her on here. The last time I spoke with her, she was talking about rotting vaginas.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, she's she's encountered a lot of stank-ass hoes in her life
0: rotting vaginas people covered in shit great material i loved it
2: milk bags milk bags indeed
0: we have five percent of our listeners are not specified so who knows what they are
2: unicorns so to speak
0: i don't even think they know what they are that's great i like that
2: why do we got to put a label on it just swing your shit around whatever it is
0: and finally ladies and gentlemen the percentage of non-binary listeners we have drumroll zero percent oh,
2: look like just show this to your non-binary homies like i bet one of them will be like huh.
0: i don't know how many non-binary homies i have but i feel like i need more
2: um can one of us just declare non binarity i'm kind of down
0: yeah i think you just kind of just declare out of nowhere like you know what today i'm gonna be non-binary
1: it's insulting y'all, y'all better settle down bigots
2: Gender is on a spectrum and it's fluid and it can change from moment to moment. So fuck off.
0: The <laughs> final chart we have in our little dashboard is <laughs> the age. 61% of our listeners are between the age 28 and 34. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: I wonder what, as soon as you turn age 35, you're like, I'm too old for this. Shit. <laughs>
0: 35 to 44 range is only 2%. God damn it.
2: We need more of you old fucks to tune in.
0: And surprisingly, 45 to 59 years old is 7%. <laughs> that's our parents.
2: Oh, really? Oh, that's mom and pop <laughs> They gave us a very bad review, by the way. They did not like our shit.
0: German homie. <laughs> a little too ridiculous. This is um millennial humor, so I understand that they don't like it. 20% for 23 to 27-year-olds. Pretty good. Pretty healthy. Nice little chunk there. And then uh, 18 to
2: 22 is 10%. That's not bad. We're getting the Doomer generation.
0: Sadly, we do not have anybody 60 and above.
2: We need some 69-year-olds.
0: Yeah, we need to appeal to our older generation. I don't know what they're into, vacuums and shit? I don't know.
2: We absolutely have to talk about older vehicles or something
0: eventually. A hoop down a dirt road with a stick, you know?
2: Yeah, slapping a hoop with a stick.
0: That's like their version of Fortnite, but without the V-Bucks.
2: You could still get mad pussy, though, if you're a champ on that.
0: So, yeah, a little under 300 plays. Our estimated audience size right now is 40. I I like that. I think it's pretty good.
2: Yeah, that is good, dude. That's like a small church group, and, uh, and they all don't think you're a nerd yet, and so they keep coming back every week.
0: Yeah, just give us some time, and eventually we'll drive them away.
2: Eventually we'll say some horrible shit about someone that you love. <laughs> <laughs> It's it all quiet. It's fucking oh man, dude.
0: <laughs> what a tragedy.
2: Well, no, I, I I was vibing with what you were saying earlier though, without feeling deep, honestly, because I was just telling Ryan lately, I've been listening to a lot of different, really it's theology is what I'm getting into, man. I'm, I've I've been listening to the Norse mythology. I just listened to the origin story for Norse mythology. Um, I'm about to buy the Bhagavad Gita. That's the Hindu mythology. And then of course I've got coming in the mail, it's called word on fire they basically made a modern version of the bible where it's actually fucking broken down to what really matters and it's actually really beautifully illustrated and they just focus on the core stories that matter from the bible and they skip all the bullshit the ritual garbage and they skip all the listing of names and shit
0: so they just get straight to the action
2: it's a bible minus the bullshit it's like they're telling you basically what you need to know out of the bible Jordan Peterson recommended this Bible, so I I purchased it. Um, So I'm I'm waiting for that still. But yeah, I've been just basically reading about a lot of different religions and beliefs. And I think that – I told Ryan, like, I found myself, like, crying (laughs) when I'm watching a movie, but not in a bad way, like (laughs) – I'm connecting with my emotions, I guess, in a way that I haven't in a while. It feels good, you know, like, uh, there'll be something happy as fuck that happens. Like, an old man meets his daughter that he hasn't connected with in years in a movie, and I'll start crying it from that beautiful moment of connection, (laughs) and I'm like, ah, feels good you know, it's not a negative thing. I'm not like crying like a fucking depressed wreck. It's like crying like in joy for their happiness. And it's like, whoa, it's like, I normally don't let myself feel these kind of feelings, And I think that reading into some of these spiritual texts and thinking it's all spiritual, but it's all psychological as well. And it really helps to like help you work through your own personal bullshit just to read into these spiritual texts.
0: Sounds like you're mentally evolving and growing as we speak.
2: A little bit for sure. I don't know. I think there's a lot to be gained just from looking into some of the old stories, you know, some of the old legends and shit. All that shit teaches you like lessons that you can use in your life. And when you get down to it, that's what the Bible is.
0: I think I've been devolving because I've just been playing more games and just watching my Roomba clean like a fucking retard.
2: See, I disagree though, because I think that that consuming something like a game is no different than reading a book or, or watching a film. You're consuming a beautiful piece of media.
0: You are right, because The Last of Us 2 was so goddamn emotionally draining, dude. In the first hour, I felt so many emotions, fear, excitement. Betrayal. Betrayal, yes. You want revenge, everything. It's a masterpiece, and I know it's getting a lot of hate right now. But dude, until you play it for yourself, don't listen to any of that shit.
2: I don't give a shit what anyone's saying. I'm going to try it for myself.
0: Try it for yourself and let me know what you think because I fucking loved it. It blew me the fuck away. 9.5 out of 10. It was if cool. you
2: have not played The Last of Us 1, you absolutely should. It is one of the best stories I've ever experienced. And I'm saying this from the background of any story like that you've read or watched or listened to, audio, whatever. I think that playing a video game is just like reading a book or watching a movie. It's that kind of experience it's think- maybe way more involved than any of the above
1: hey uh before we go too far off the topic of uh you going into theology and stuff do you think you want to bring up the gilgamesh tell pretty soon
0: yeah yeah lay it on us i know you've been trying to talk about it for like the last three episodes so i think now would be a perfect time to give us a little rundown on your username gilgamesh
2: yeah so the story for the name gilgamesh is actually the oldest story ever written this is the oldest story that humanity has ever located that was written down it was actually written in cuneiform that was basically little arrows and scrapes on a stone tablet it was written across 12 different tablets and this was about 2100 bc Fuck. So it was farther before Christ than we are after Christ currently, about a couple 80 years or so. So we're almost as far after the creation of of the tablet after Christ's birth, basically. But so we're we're it's basically a 4,000 5,000 year old story, and this story is actually the classic hero's journey. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty simple. The whole story comes down to a couple of main characters, and for the sake of time, I'm gonna skip the names of some of the simpler background characters and shit, but the people that really matter in the Epic of Gilgamesh. So the Epic of Gilgamesh takes place where modern day Iraq is. Okay. Yeah. So that's the, where the location of their kingdom is. He built the first walled city ever recorded historically. So this is basically the first civilization that we have recorded. It's the oldest civilization. Gilgamesh has built this walled city and he represents basically the strength of mankind conquering nature in establishing this civilization. So Gilgamesh, when you start the story out, he's not a hero at all. He's actually a real terrible fucking asshole, man. He's a bad king. Everyone really hates him. He goes around beating everyone's ass. If you're a if you're a young man, he challenges you to a duel because he wants to prove that he's stronger than every man.
0: Okay. Real quick. Gilgamesh is the king of this land.
2: Yes. Gilgamesh is the king of this land that he built. He built this walled city and he protected these people.
0: Is there a name to the city?
2: Yes, it's called Uruk. Or Uruk. U-R-U-K. Uruk is the name okay. of the city that Gilgamesh built. Yeah. And if you look at it, it's kind of like Iraq, right? Uruk, mm-hmm. Iraq. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ancient Iraq. It was called Uruk in the ancient times. And so Gilgamesh's city, he was very proud of it, and he was held as a divine being. Gilgamesh was not just a king, but he was a god. His mother was named Ninsun, and she was a goddess. She was the daughter of the sun god, and she was a full-on goddess. His father was named Lugulbanda, and he was a great warrior king. He was actually the second king of Uruk. So there was two kings before Gilgamesh that started the city, but Gilgamesh built the walls and made the city great. So Gilgamesh's father was a human, his mother was a goddess. So somehow, I don't know, the math doesn't add up, but they say that Gilgamesh is two-thirds god and one-third human, even though his father was full human and his mother is a... Full goddess. He should be half and half, but the book specifically says he's two-thirds divine and one-third mortal.
0: i makes him a demigod, right? Precisely.
2: He's just like a he's kind of like the Hercules myth. Okay. So yeah, he, he's 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 pretty much a demigod. He is not a mortal, he can be killed. And this is a this becomes into the story a lot later. So when the story starts, Gilgamesh, he's been the king of his kingdom for years. And the way he rules his kingdom is he, he has duels with every young man and the biggest thing that really causes trouble amongst the land is that he claims the king's right, which, if you've ever heard of that, it's basically whenever a young woman is married in your kingdom, she has to give her first wedding night of lovemaking to the king before she is turned over to the groom.
0: What a great rule if you're king, right? Right? It's
2: fucked off. But yes, Gilgamesh claimed it over every household. So anyone who got married in his kingdom. Gilgamesh the king would come in and he would fuck your bride the night before you would get to be with her for the first time. Damn. So the people cried out to the gods and said, Please, please help us. We can't live under this kind of rule. The gods felt bad for the people of Gilgamesh. So they actually, the same woman who, it wasn't Gilgamesh's mother, but it was basically a woman who gave Gilgamesh some of his divine strength. She was another goddess. She crafted a man out of the earth... Kind of like the Adam and Eve story, actually. She crafted a man made of clay out of the earth. And he was crafted to be the exact strength and mirror opposite of Gilgamesh. He was supposed to be the opposite in every way, but equal in strength to Gilgamesh. He was basically like a wild man. He was a natural entity. He was based on, like, nature and the wild. So in his original form, he was covered in fur. He had horns. He had hooves. And he was basically like a beast man, like a Bigfoot, ape-like beast man. And his name was Enkidu. So this is Gilgamesh's equal, Enkidu. He's really important. He's like his Batman to Robin. So Gilgamesh and Enkidu are like the main two characters of basically all of the epic of Gilgamesh. Okay. So Enkidu, he starts out in the fields and the forest living with the animals and he's breaking down the traps. Hunters are trying to like hunt for animals and he breaks the traps. He's trying to protect the animals. He's super against civilization, he hates humans, and he loves animals. And so all the humans complain to their king, Gilgamesh, and say, hey, there's this wild creature man out here, and he's fucking, you know, ruining all the hunting. He's fucking shit up. We can't even survive out here.
0: (laughs) So they're a team, right?
2: No. You're talking about Gilgamesh and Enkidu?
0: Yeah, because I figured Doo was crafted to dethrone Gilgamesh.
2: Yes, exactly. So I'm getting to the meeting right now. Okay. So so Gilgamesh gets wind of this wild man tearing up the countryside, kind of like the Witcher, right? He's like, oh, shit, there's a wild man tearing up the countryside. Yeah. So he says, well, I got a solution. Send one of the priestess of the Temple of Ishtar, and it's like the lovemaking priestess. So they send the priestess down to meet Enkidu. And this priestess, she will sleep with any man, no matter what his age or appearance is, in the name of the goddess Ishtar. She's like Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And so they're basically like temple prostitutes. They're priestess, but they'll fuck anyone.
0: Sounds like my kind of woman, right, Ronnie? Yeah.
2: That's a dope church. And their society thrived because of that as well. They actually say explicitly, like, it gave even the eldest man a reason to get up every day.
0: (laughs) My bones hurt, but at least I'm gonna get some pussy. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Uh, get some soup and some pussy every day.
0: <laughs> Don't forget the crackers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so anyway, um so the temple priestess, this temple prostitute, goes to Enkidu and she finds him drinking water at the well where the animals drink. And she lays herself out naked and he fucks her for a very long time. And I'm I'm telling you, it's it's not just a very long time, it's a ungodly amount of time. The original manuscripts said it was for seven days and seven nights that they made ravaging love. Of straight fucking? Yes. However, this is from the 19th century tablets. Fast forward to the 21st century and they discovered a new section of the tablets that was missing, where they uncovered that they in fact had sex for not seven days and seven nights, but for 14 days and 14 nights. (laughs) (laughs) Doubled it? They doubled their time of lovemaking. Yeah, they had a break in between, but they did have another seven-day fucking spree.
0: No wonder he's a god. <laughs> so this Enkidu character, they, they
2: make him out to be a very masculine equal to Gilgamesh. You know, he's out here fucking <laughs> He's doing incredible things. So so Enkidu, he, the moment that he fucks a human woman, she also feeds him some wine and some bread. And the moment he consumes civilization's food and has sex with a human woman, the animals no longer recognize his scent. The scent of her pussy, like, scared him off. <laughs> and now they don't trust him anymore. Now he's no longer a natural beast. So he lost his connection to nature and became civilized.
0: I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes when I can smell pussy on some of my friends, I walk away too.
2: I smell
1: pussy. Is that you, ducks? Oh <laughs> uh, shit!
2: <laughs> <laughs> God damn.
1: So uh, with the uh, Ankydoo, uh, didn't you say that he ended up like shedding his like animal characteristics after that too?
2: Yeah, yeah. So so upon banging down and upon eating the human food, Enkidu's fur got thinner. He became more manlike. He kept his horns, but he lost his hooves. He had like hands and arms and legs. However, he kept his horns. So Enkidu still has like goat horns, basically, but he's a big, hairy, bearded man now, but much less furry. He's like a human instead of a fucking animal man. Okay. He hears that Gilgamesh is fucking everyone's wife, and he's like, nah, son. I'm not about that. So he goes straight to the kingdom of Gilgamesh, and he challenges Gilgamesh to a duel. He says, you can't be having sex with everyone's wife on the night of their marriage. It's fucked up. He he literally gives Gilgamesh a speech about how it's wrong and that you need to respect people's love for each other, and you can't go and just have sex with someone's wife against their will. Oh, wow. It's like, it seems like, obviously, this is a moral of the story that we could all agree with. Don't rape each other's wives. but it's a religious text and they're basically putting down the argument that you should not rape each other's wives here (laughs) so Gilgamesh and Enkidu they get into a huge fist fight they get into a huge battle and um, in the end they're they're very close it's a very close fight but Gilgamesh wins and they end up having a sort of a Goku Vegeta relationship from then on where they kind of respect each other but they're competing from then on they become best friends and they decide to go on some adventures Now, for a second, I want to pause because I don't know how deep we want to get.
0: Hey, I'm fine with this, dude. We can go longer than an hour. So just keep the ball rolling, coo. For
2: sure. And feel free to edit the shit out of this storytelling. Yeah, 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 you're good. You're good. All right. I don't want y'all to feel bored because it seems like y'all are fucking. Oh, no, no, no,
0: no. no. I'm I'm loving (laughs) this. Um, From what I'm understanding so far is that Gilgamesh has inspired a fuck ton of media that we digest nowadays. It plays a huge influence on modern day culture.
2: His story will have a lot of what we now consider cliches. Okay. And that's because he did it first, though. This is the first written story. Like, everyone had to copy them, you know? Yeah. Anyone who wrote a story after the fucking 2100 BC is copying their ideas. Or they're using a similar idea that was previously written by someone else, but you can't claim original credit. Because they were using this whole, like, best friends that are rivals idea in a story. They did this early on.
1: You basically said that it's the hero's journey right it's like the first thing like that's the first story with the hero's journey on it or what
2: it is it is the archetypal hero's journey and it happens to be the oldest story in the world and it says a lot that humans oldest written story is a hero's journey because not all stories are a hero's journey several stories are you know simple short stories that don't follow the hero's journey structure there's not a main character in every story in this story, there happens to be two main characters for the for the first half, and then one main character for the rest. So, Gilgamesh, basically, he comes to an agreement that he is equal to this man, Enkidu, and that they would become brothers. He adopts him as his blood brother, and so he sees him as an equal. And he says, you know what? We're bad motherfuckers. You know what we could do? We could go to the sacred forest of the gods, chop down the sacred godwoods, and use their sacred wood to build it invincible walls for our city. This wood will be invincible against any threat.
0: Sounds power hungry to me.
2: A little bit power hungry, right? A little bit, and also a little bit blasphemous. He's he's trying to steal from the world of the gods.
0: And does Inky do just go along with this, or does he?
2: Inky throughout the story, he was built to be the opposite of Gilgamesh, and so a lot throughout the story, he kind of cautions Gilgamesh to consider taking a careful route. Instead of discouraging Gilgamesh's route, he says, "Maybe we should prepare before we set out." And so Gilgamesh agrees, and he says, we'll pray to the gods. Gilgamesh doesn't actually realize that most of the gods that he prays to are actually his family. Okay. So Gilgamesh's mother is a goddess. We mentioned that early on, Ninsun. Well, she's the daughter of the sun god. Gilgamesh, his personal god, he is taken as the sun god. So his grandfather is actually his personal god, and that is Shama. His name is Shama, the sun god. He represents the sun. Shama. Yeah, it's it's s-h-a-h-m-a-t Shama. he's a representation of sunlight and the truth and illuminating darkness and purging evil so it's basically like the light of truth and the heroic light that banishes evil the fire that purges evil and gilgamesh has taken that as his savior that's his personal emblem that he he uses to bless his battle and his travels so gilgamesh and enkidu pray to the sun god the sun sunyard grants his blessing and says, you'll be protected on this voyage. And Gilgamesh prays to his mother, the goddess Ninsun, and she agrees to protect them with a sacred cloak. Basically, it's the invisibility cloak from Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, because they're going to the sacred forest of the gods. And one thing about this forest is that it's guarded by the Guardian of the Heavens. The Guardian of the Heavens is a horrible demon named Umbaba.
0: I'm loving these names, by the way.
2: Yeah, so these names don't get too tangled up in them. They don't matter that much, but I'll I'll describe what the name is. So Umbaba is a demon. He's an ancient Mesopotamian Sumerian demon. He's described as being very ogre-like. So this would be a very humanoid creature, but kind of like a huge ogre. And the face, you can actually look online and you can see Umbaba's face. It's supposed to be a very devilish face, like sort of a de- pretty much a classical looks like the devil, like a cartoonish devil face almost.
0: How do you spell Umbaba? I'm checking it out.
2: The demon's name Umbaba is H-U-M-B-A-B-A. Humbaba, it looks like. And this demon oh has long God. fangs. Yeah, it's a horrific demon. And this creature defends the sacred woods of the gods.
0: Yeah. Is it the one with intestine face? Like an intestine face, dude? I'm looking
1: at
2: that one too, the purple one.
0: Well, mine is yellow, but like his face is like intestines with horns and
2: shit. He's supposed to be horrible, horrible to look upon and disfigured.
0: God damn. Damn!
2: We. Yeah, they set it up to be the worst demon ever. And what what else is worse about this demon? Ryan and I were just looking at. So this demon breathes fire hotter than the flames of hell. Not only that, it can echo a sound loud enough to paralyze a man. So it can roar a sound out that will paralyze you. It can breathe fire, and it can hear you for 60 leagues, which I don't even know what that is, but it's like miles, I'm sure.
0: I just realized that his dick is a snake. Holy fuck.
2: Umbaba's cock is a snake, yes, he will bite you with his pee-pee.
0: And a snake for a tail? Goddamn.
2: Yes, so there's teeth everywhere. This thing is fucking dangerous. Not to be fucked with.
0: I'm looking at other pictures, and he does have a, a snake dig. That's crazy. <laughs> Everyone,
2: stop what you're doing and Google Umbaba the demon, and you'll see some pretty interesting imagery.
1: Wow. His face is almost um, vaginal.
2: Now, as horrible as this demon is, he is actually created by the goddess Enlil, who's one of the original creator goddesses of their beliefs. of their. So she, she's actually a goddess of creation and nature and peace, actually, generally. So for her to create such a horrible monster is pretty interesting. But this is the son of Enlil. And Gilgamesh is terrified upon seeing this creature. He actually becomes a huge pussy. He's like, "Oh shit, I can't fight this thing, dude." I don't blame him.
0: God damn. Yeah,
2: dude, he loses his shit. He becomes a total pussy. He goes pale and he drops his weapons and he runs away in fear. Enkidu grabs him by his shoulders, slaps him in the face, and says, "What kind of bitch are you, Gilgamesh? You fucking pussy." He slaps him into shape. He seriously like shakes it out of him.
0: Damn, it must have been the snake dick that threw him off.
2: Yeah, that snake dick who's like, It has teeth, bro! (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that shit biting the inside of your
0: (laughs) bowl. God damn. (laughs) I can't believe I've never seen this creature. That's terrifying, dude.
2: Um, Umbaba, welcome to ancient fucking Mesopotamian literature, bro.
0: Old school art like this, it's always so terrifying and detailed.
2: Oh yeah, man. These guys had demons dreamed up before we did. This is before Jason and fucking Freddy bullshit. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it goes on, so Gilgamesh actually is fleeing in terror, Enkidu gives him a victory speech and basically encourages him to pray to the sun god for help. The sun god blesses them and basically wins the fight for them, sends down 13 sacred winds to bind the demon Umbaba and seals him down, and Gilgamesh just has to cut its head off basically.
1: So yeah, they made it pretty easy for him actually.
2: Yeah, seriously, the sun god bound Umbaba with 13 winds. Now Umbaba had seven auras, which were like sacred magical shields, which turns out they were actually his children, his sons, and they were in the trees around. So there was like half tree, half ogre creatures running around, and they start running around panicking. Gilgamesh and Enkidu slaughter all seven of his children. They slaughter all of Umbaba's children. They cut Umbaba's head off. They cut down all the trees in the forest. At one point, Enkidu actually is very sad and says, We've created a wasteland of the sacred gods' forest. Like, what will the gods think? They're going to be mad. And Gilgamesh is like, Fuck it. Let's go home, dog. He doesn't give a fuck. Gilgamesh is the voice of unreason. and, And Enkidu is the voice of like considering and like, Whoa, this is fucked off.
0: Does he build a raft out of the carcasses of the tree children?
2: Yes, they build the raft out of the sacred godwoods, and they also steal a bunch of the sacred godwood because they're going to build a temple out of it. They're going to reinforce the walls of Uruk with the sacred wood.
1: They killed all those gods and um, that demon for no reason, pretty much, or...
2: That demon would not allow you to harvest the sacred, invincible wood they needed to strengthen their walls, so they had to kill the demon so they could harvest that wood.
1: Well, why'd they want to harvest it in the first place?
2: Because the wood is invincible.
1: I mean, I guess that makes sense, but...
2: It's the Wood of the Gods and if you had Wood of the Gods building your city, you have an invincible city.
0: Invincible Wood, Rhiney. You don't think that sounds great? Imagine having a bow staff that never breaks.
2: I was just
1: wondering if they had like some type of enemy they were preparing for or something like that.
0: It was just to boast
2: that even though they already had great city walls, now their walls are also blessed by invincible god wood. Yeah. It's a pretty big flex, basically. That's all it was. Honestly, it was just a... You're right. It was for no reason. And Enkidu was guilty about it afterward. He felt very bad about it. And he reflected on whether it was worth it to anger the gods.
1: I mean, honestly, when I look at Umbaba, I'm like, that thing deserves to die, honestly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a fucking horrible creature. I do not want to live in the same universe as a creature with intestine face and a fucking a snake dick. That thing has to die. You're right. <laughs> has there not been a movie of this made?
2: Yes, there has been, and from what I understand, it's very poorly made, but there is a film.
0: Okay, I bet you that shit's old, huh?
2: Yeah, probably. We're still in the first half, by the way, here,
0: so... God, it gets better?
2: It gets, maybe not better, but more interesting. So, Gilgamesh returns to the city with his sacred wood and Enkidu, and they're victorious, so he puts on, he takes a nice bath, he puts on robes and perfume, he's feeling sexy as fuck, his chest hair is showing, he's wearing thick gold fucking chains... He's looking great. They're having Damn. a dinner feast. Yeah, like the homies are all celebrating. They came back. Umbaba's head's on a spike in the distance. They're building a fucking temple out of the sacred godwood. And there's a huge, like, fucking feast. And him and Enkidu are partying their fucking ass off. And all the homies are vibing. It's all good vibes, dude.
0: Dude, he was getting infinite pussy before killing Umbaba. Imagine how much he's going to get now.
2: Now it's willing. He doesn't have to steal people's now dude he was raping people he was a fucking serial rapist at the beginning of the story and now he goes off he slays Umbaba. he comes back and these are like "Mm mm-hmm I'm trying to get that (laughs) infinite pussy unlocked not just infinite pussy god mode pussy unlocked I'm not joking you so get this Ishtar the goddess of love and sex and fertility herself visits Gilgamesh in his bedchamber that evening she is hot and fucking bothered she's
0: just steamed up huh
2: she is ready to fucking go god damn huh
1: i was asking docs if you looked up pictures of ishtar
2: look up ishtar oh is she bad it's i-s-h-t-a-r she's also the goddess who the name easter comes from we celebrate the easter holiday ishtar is the original goddess who that holiday stems from
0: i'm slowly realizing how big of a role gilgamesh plays in my life okay so i'm looking her up Ooh, I found like an anime version of her. Or wait, never mind. That's from something else.
2: She's fucking sexy.
0: Yeah, the only H stars I'm finding are like statues and shit of her. And, you know what I mean? They're...
2: Yeah, yeah. And and you should still get a vibe.
0: She's for thick. It. Wow.
2: For yeah. She has thighs though. So Whoa. Ishtar, star, she represents. Yeah, she represents fertility. So she's often represented quite thickly, like a woman who could give birth
0: and be healthy. She has small boobs though. Yeah. Interesting. All her meat went to her thighs.
2: Yeah. This is basically Aphrodite. He fucks her? Well, not exactly. And this is actually causing some real trouble because she takes it as a very big insult that he's not down to fuck. Oh. You don't tell a god no. You're not going to fuck him. But Gilgamesh has a good reason, dude. Ishtar is known for killing or cursing all of her ex-lovers. And Gilgamesh goes on a rant talking about what about this guy? What about that guy? What about this guy? You turned him into a frog. You turned this guy into a swarm of locusts. You fucking tore this guy's intestines out and hang him from a, a flagpole.
0: So this is like the first reported case of a thought.
2: She's a thought, but she actually brutally murders her exes instead of uh, just um, giving them STDs. Fucking her homies and shit and giving them STDs. Hurting their feelings instead of, instead of hurting their feelings, she uh. Tears their intestines out, yeah.
0: I did notice that 90% of her statues, she's holding her titties.
2: Ishtar is a very vengeful goddess. She's very jealous and cruel and and petty as fuck. She will. So Gilgamesh wisely says, I'll pass on being your lover, thanks. Nah. She gets pissed. She goes back to the greater gods, the creator gods, Anu, her father, and says, Hey, this motherfucker doesn't want to fuck me. Can I borrow the bowl (laughs) of heaven for a couple hours? And dad's like, no, dude, you can't fucking borrow the bull of heaven. It'll kill like half of humanity. She's like, dad, if you don't let me borrow the bull of heaven, I'm going to raise the dead and they're going to kill all of humanity anyway. And he says, fine. So she threatened to raise the dead and kill all of humanity if he wouldn't let her borrow the bull of heaven to attack Gilgamesh.
0: So the The greater like as an animal,
2: it's an animal. It's a Taurus, like a fucking bull with horns, like a male cow. I'm looking all this shit up. Yeah, man. The Bull of Heaven, it's clad in golden armor. It has golden wings. And the moment the Bull of Heaven Whoa. landed upon the Earth, it killed half of the humans on Earth instantly. The Earth cracked in half.
0: Damn, just by landing?
2: Just by landing on Earth, the Bull of Heaven killed half of the humans on Earth instantly. Gilgamesh and Enkidu, without any divine assistance, grab their weapons and charge a Bull of Heaven. The gods were not on their sides. They attacked the bull of heaven together. They sliced its fucking head off. They killed it together. Enraged, Ishtar screamed in the background, wailing to the heavens. She was screaming so loud that the stones were crumbling all around them in their civilization, and they had to shut her up. Damn. And so Enkidu was quickly, he chops off the back leg of the bull of heaven, and he slaps Ishtar in the face with the bloody meat of the bull of heaven. And it shuts her up. She stops crying.
0: The picture I sent is him about to cut off the leg. You see that in the Discord? Let me check. Or something. He's either going to cut the leg off or fuck it.
2: That is Enkidu pulling the leg off the bull of heaven.
0: Damn.
2: I got to say, you guys definitely
1: ought to look up all these pictures as you go. um, Because it's pretty fun to see him with the story.
2: Yeah,
0: Yeah, this is great. I'm just like steady looking it all up on Google while he goes. But continue. If you guys
2: hate this, by the way, we're not going to do storytelling that frequently. But uh, if you love it, Hell, we'll do it like once every quarter or something. Anyway, so she does not like getting slapped in the face by the Bull of Heaven's haunch. And I think they go on to describe that she sees the Bull of Heaven as her own child. So Ishtar is furious that she was just slapped in the face by basically her own child's bloody leg. And she curses Enkidu to a painful and miserable death. And just then, Gilgamesh gets a horrible vision. He starts to dream of Enkidu dead. And he tells Enkidu, like, what's going on with this? Like, I'm having horrible dreams of you dying. And Enkidu tells him, don't worry, my brother. I'll be fine. I'll be by your side. I'll fight by your side till the end. Well, shortly after the feast and everything is over, Enkidu's stricken down with pain in his stomach, and he curls over and just starts wincing in pain. For several days, Enkidu is in agony, just fucking brutally fucking in pain for so many days. Enkidu is in agony, Aww. screaming at the top of his lungs, and en- and Gilgamesh doesn't know what to do. He can't help. So he starts building a golden, colossal statue of Enkidu in the city of Uruk. Well, Enkidu dies during- And he's during still
0: alive this- by this time, right? Oh, no. Enkidu dies of his
2: of his horrible wounds, or his horrible pain in his stomach. Enkidu! We lost him. Not Vegeta.
0: God, I hate that bitch!
2: Dude, Gilgamesh did not take it well. He did not handle it like a man. He didn't accept it. He actually left Enkidu's body in his foyer. He left him resting on his bed. And for almost two weeks, every day, Gilgamesh would go and check on his body. He would, like, change his linens. He would he would check on his body. He would, he would go back and he would work on the Golden Statue of Enkidu. He was obsessed with Enkidu. He just wanted to keep his body perfect. And on about the 15th day, A single maggot wriggled its way out of Enkidu's eyeball. That single maggot is described in the Epic of Gilgamesh about six times. They repeat this line about six times. Gilgamesh beheld a maggot drip from the eye of Enkidu, his beloved. Behold, Gilgamesh sees the maggot drip from the eye of his beloved Enkidu. Behold, Gilgamesh witnesses the maggot drip from the eye of his beloved Enkidu. They repeat this line about six times because they really want to emphasize how fucking seriously heavy this impacts the character of Gilgamesh. The line is repeated on the cuneiform tablet six fucking times. They repeat this goddamn line six times because they want you to understand that that maggot dripping from the eye of Enkidu was Gilgamesh's first realization that he too will die. Oh shit. This is a god king. A god king who has never had anything denied of him. First realizing that he too is gonna die. He too is gonna find an end. And he starts to cry out like, will I not too rot like Enki do? Will I not too have a maggot drip from my eye? He knows this is true. So that's the end of the first half of the Epic of Gilgamesh.
0: He was faced with his own mortality. I thought you were gonna say he came back in the form of a maggot or something. No. No.
2: Enkidu's dead as fuck. Damn. He uh he basically got killed as a curse for all the betrayals they did to the gods. Umbaba, killing the bull of heaven, bitch slapping Ishtar. It was unforgivable.
0: He had to die.
2: They were too disrespectful. They were blasphemers. So Gilgamesh becomes obsessed with death, and so the second half is very short, and I could sum this up pretty quickly. So The second half of the Epic of Gilgamesh is all about him dealing with Enkidu's death very badly, basically. And him being basically a big old baby bitch boy and not being able to accept the fact that death is a part of life. Uh So Gilgamesh vows to find immortality. He says, I'm going to seek immortality to the ends of the earth. Well, in their culture, they know there's one man that was granted immortality by the gods. His name is Utnapishtim.
0: Utnapishtim.
2: Yeah, that you nailed it. Now, if you want to really think about this guy, he is Noah from Noah's Ark. This story was written thousands of years before any of the Bible was written. So Noah's Ark is basically a copycat rendition of this ancient story. We'll get to Utnapishtim in a minute, but he's basically the Mesopotamian Noahs from Noah's Ark.
0: Wow. They did it first. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures and there's totally an ark.
2: They had an ark first. Christianity wasn't even a fart <laughs> in the wind yet
0: those goddamn copycats
2: so this mythology has existed for fucking thousands of years and it's undeniable at this point so let's go on to the second half of gilgamesh so gilgamesh distraught he's very very much in a bad state of mind he sets off on an adventure by himself on this adventure he travels through a desert and he has nightmares for five nights straight and in all his nightmares he has dreams of like horrible shit like the world ending and and the bull of heaven killing all the people and shit like that
0: he's just losing his shit he's basically
2: yeah he goes through the desert he loses his mind it's basically like a hero in decline he's spiraling he's not doing too hot Mm -hmm. gilgamesh is losing his fucking shit piece of garbage he's trying to seek immortality almost in futility it seems like well so fast forward gilgamesh basically he asked the sun god and he asked his mother the goddess for some advice for how do they move forward how do we how does he find immortality they say he has to cross a river and find. he has to cross basically the river of the dead Similar to Greek mythology, the river Styx, and he has to find the man who traverses the river of the the dead. So the river of souls he has to cross. He finds this man, and he beats him over the head and causes him to lose his magical oars in the water. And so Gilgamesh has to go on another voyage deep in the waters of souls to get the magical oars back. And that way, just so he can fucking cross back. So he caused a bunch of trouble for himself. Fast forward, they cross the river of souls, he gets the oars... They go ahead and cross the river of souls, and Gilgamesh actually finds a almost infinite black tunnel. This infinite black tunnel goes on for the way they describe it in the book is almost annoying how long they describe it. They they keep on like just it goes on and on and for twenty more leagues it went on and then for twenty more leagues it went, so they just keep going on and on and on. <laughs> At the end of this, though, is probably the most magical part of all of the epic of Gilgamesh. At the end of this dark tunnel is the most awe-inspiring moment in the entire story. Gilgamesh sees a twinkle of light in the distance in the dark tunnel for the first time in what feels like months. He's been traveling through this infinite darkness for what feels like months. Towards basically what seems like the center of the earth. He was like going toward the center of the earth in infinite darkness. He finally sees a beam of light shimmering in the distance. He's blinded by brilliant beauty and light as he emerges into a gorgeous area with lush vegetation. And on the trees where fruit would normally grow, he saw crystals. Beautiful crystals of agate and aquamarine and turquoise, quartz, diamond, rubies, and emeralds growing from plants. A world where all the plants were growing crystals and beautiful minerals all around. It was a crystal-laden land of the gods.
0: It sounds like he found heaven.
2: He found paradise in a sense. Okay. Well, in paradise, there's a, there's a uh, small, there, there's a, there's a shack, like a, or it's probably really nice, actually. I don't know. <laughs> there's like a lodge. And in the lodge is Utnapishtim, the immortal man, the one man that the gods gave immortality. And Gilgamesh wants to ask him, how are you given immortality and how can I have that? So he goes to Utnapishtim and Utnapishtim ignores him at first. He won't look at him. And Gilgamesh keeps asking, Utnapishtim, please tell me, how did you become immortal? How can I become immortal like the gods? He said, I don't want to die. I don't want to die like my dear brother Enki do. I don't want to rot and have a maggot drip from my eye. Utnapishtim tells him, Gilgamesh, you're a fool. Every man must die. You're not a god. And he says, but you're not a God either. He, you know." Yeah, yeah, He's like, you were made immortal. Like, how do I do it? He says, I'll tell you what. If you can stay awake for seven days and seven nights, I will tell you the secret to becoming immortal. So Gilgamesh, he, by the way, he hasn't slept this whole time. He's just been traveling in a fucking infinite tunnel. For like three months. And he didn't sleep that whole time. He didn't take breaks. He was just walking the whole time. He's pretty fucking tired
0: at this point. So he figured seven days ain't shit then. Oh but he's tired yeah. Yeah yeah. He figures
2: seven days ain't shit then. But he doesn't account for the fact that he's exhausted from his travels. So the farmer says. Dear wife. Would you please bake a loaf of bread for every day that Gilgamesh sleeps. And so to prove to Gilgamesh how many days he slept. He awakens some days later. And the the baker shows him. Look. Look how many. Or Utnapishtim shows him, look how many loaves of bread my wife has baked in your days of sleep. And there was like mounds of bread. It's it's like he slept for like several weeks. And um, some of the bread is like moldy and rotten. He's like, these are the breads that we baked at first. And these are the breads we bake now. So these ones are fresh and these ones are moldy as fuck. He's like, yeah, you're 60 breads deep, bro. You slept for 60 days. You (laughs) fell, like I'm not telling you the secret to immortality. Gugemish begs him. He he gets on his hands and knees and he's like, "Please, I, I humble you. I'm a, I'm a god among men and I'm a, I'm I'm a I'm a god king. But I humble myself before you, Otnapishtim, Please, tell me the secret to your immortality." But has no reason really to tell him. But he just basically says, "All right, fuck it. I'll tell you the secret." <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> yeah there's no reason he should tell him there's like the moral of the story he failed his trial but he still tells him what he was going to tell him anyway doesn't make sense whatever what a good guy And an says look dude fine you can be immortal you just have to get this sacred plant there's only one of this plant in the world and it's in a sacred place and it's very fucking hard to reach and it's miles away So, I'll spare you the horrible details, they go on another long ass description of Gilgamesh traveling through another like several weeks of horrible travel, and it's very repetitive. The tablets repeat themselves a lot when he's on travels. It's like, Gilgamesh had nightmares, Gilgamesh had a rough time, Gilgamesh pooped his pants somewhere in the desert. (laughs) Anyway, Gilgamesh has a bad time basically for several weeks, and eventually he finds a sacred body of water where the sacred plant is growing. And it's deep. It's miles under the water. But to get there, he has to tie stones to his feet.
0: God damn!
2: So Gilgamesh has to tie stones to his feet to sink to the bottom of the ocean floor. And he finds the sacred plant at the ocean floor. Barely able to breathe, he surfaces back with the plant. And he returns home victorious. He has the plant of immortality. On the way home, he takes a bath. And every time you're on a voyage home from a successful victory from an adventure, you have to like take a bath. It's like you have to cleanse the chaos of adventure before you re-enter the city. So Gilgamesh takes a bath and he strips off all his clothes and he leaves the sacred plant by the waterside. And a random snake comes up and steals the fucking sacred plant. Never to be seen again.
0: What? He got bamboozled by
2: a goddamn snake. He got bamboozled by a random snake. It wasn't even a sentient one. So Gilgamesh is fucking pissed. He goes back to Udnapishtim and says, what else is there for me? And Udnapishtim says, that was it. That was the last (laughs) sacred plan. That was it. Like you could have been immortal, but uh, there's an immortal snake now.
0: fucked up.
2: Somewhere out there. There's an immortal snake.
0: What a plot twist.
2: What a tragedy. So the epic of Gilgamesh is truly a tragedy of Gilgamesh in a sense that he did he doesn't succeed and his friend dies.
0: Yeah, I was about to say this is a great happy ending, and a fucking snake steals the plant.
2: Well, so there is a bit of a happy ending though, because Gilgamesh goes on back to his city, and he reflects on the fact that he will die. But he's comforted in the walls of his city. He says are the walls of our city not great? Are they not strong? Have they not protected us for decades? Will they not stand as a testament for decades to come? Basically, he said, I've done a lot of great things in my life, and people will remember me at least for a few decades. What Gilgamesh could have never, ever hoped for was that 5,000 years later, some stupid motherfuckers on some podcast are still talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> it all led up to this moment. <laughs> So he finally accepted his death. He finally accepted death and that life is impermanent. That's the moral of the story. To enjoy the beauty of your, your existence and your life and take stock in what you have and be grateful.
0: I feel like that's a great story because, you know, a lot of people are afraid to die and a lot of people don't accept the fact that they're going to die. And I mean, if Gilgamesh can do it, so can we. We'll be fine.
2: Gilgamesh I wow. think it pulled to me because he's such a fuck up like he fucks up left and right on this story. He's not a good hero. He actually like sucks balls.
0: And it's crazy to think that's the very first story that we found like it's, it's wild.
2: What does it say that the first humans knew to be humble enough that even their god heroes were flawed characters. He was half divine. He was more than half divine and he was still a very flawed character.
0: Yeah, like he wasn't OP or anything. It wasn't perfect he made a lot of stupid ass decisions just like we do every day
2: because Gilgamesh was ultimately human he was mortal
0: he was more human than God
2: It's really interesting stuff
0: you told that so fucking good I visualized it all I felt like I just went on a spiritual journey with you fellas
2: Dude it's a religious text it, it is it's the first and it really it covers a lot of spiritual shit from other sources you know like we just hit the Noah's Ark story we hit like parts of Babylonian story and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that's crazy how they did the whole Noah's Ark thing. What'd you say? Thousands of years before Christians brought it up? Several thousands of years, yeah. Did they just kind of ignore that fact or what?
2: Well, you'll find the flood mythology in several myths. You'll actually see one in Hindi, I think, as well. There's a flood mythology in other myths. It's interesting. Maybe there was a massive flood.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, these people had no way of communicating with each other.
2: Imagine a flood in the world just for, like what if it literally was 40 days and 40 nights before the water receded enough for them to like to recolonize that seems like something that's possible you know sea levels to rise temporarily
0: yeah (laughs) wow that was fucking i
2: skipped a lot by the way if you guys are wondering i did skip a lot and it already went way longer than i wanted it to um so i had to skip
0: where can you read it? Like, is there like just...
2: Yeah, I'll I'll tell you what, dude. The Wikipedia page for the Epic of Gilgamesh, if you just read tablet one through 12 on the Wikipedia part, you'll have a very good summary of basically the Epic of Gilgamesh. It does skip a bunch of stuff, but it, they cover it pretty well. And it, it's it's literally like a couple hundred words. It's really not a hard read.
1: They also sell it like as an audio book or paperback book. Um.
2: Look online. Look on YouTube, Crash Course History. They do an Epic of Gilgamesh video that's like 13 minutes long, and they do an okay job. Look up Thug Notes, Thug History, Epic of Gilgamesh. The Thug version of Epic of Gilgamesh is actually a better summary, I think, than even the
0: Crash Course History. The Thug? Is it like told by a gangster or something?
2: It's really corny. It really seems like somebody's English teacher, but he's trying to talk extra gangster kind of. It's like an old black guy. Hmm.
0: That was very educational. Wow. We're learning something here today, fellas.
2: Thug Notes, The Epic of Gilgamesh. If you guys want a very short and good summary of The Epic of Gilgamesh, that's a good one. And also just uh, The Epic of Gilgamesh, Crash Course World Mythology.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, now you know why we have Gilgamesh on the podcast. What a great story. I think our German friend's really going to like this.
2: He's going to shize all over it.
0: <laughs>
2: well, the rest of this show has to be all your guys' content. <laughs> I feel self-conscious as fuck that it went way too long, but.
0: No, dude, I love it. I'm glad. This is our podcast. I talk too much sometimes. I need you guys to help me out there, and you, you did really well there. Now, Ryan, I need you to tell a 30-minute story.
1: Next time, I'll talk about the acid trip, bro.
0: Damn, Ryan's perspective. Now, Ryan, you should just tell
2: 100% your perspective. And don't hint to people at first that you didn't realize what was going on. You should just tell it like, and all of a sudden I was, and then tell it how, where you were and stuff. You should tell it from your perspective, hundred yeah. percent. I get it though. Everyone loved to hear that,
0: honestly. The way Gilgamesh told it, it was insane. I'd love to hear what was going through your mind during all that shit. As much as you could remember. It's pretty wild. You know I, what I mean? I feel
1: like I remember most of it pretty well. So it's pretty crazy.
0: Just the key highlights that you want to hit. Yeah. I do have a topic that I did want to cover that I was thinking about last week that I wanted to get across to you fellas. And it does involve some things from the Epic of Gilgamesh. Death. Gentlemen, do you remember your very first experience with death? Can you think about the time that you realized that death was a thing?
2: Yeah. For me, it was really young, honestly. I, I My first... My first encounter was death was a brutal, brutal scene of a bunch of kittens, uh, just the bodies with the heads missing. Really? Yeah. I was definitely a toddler. I think I was probably like three or four years old. And we had a cat Meow. named Heathcliff. I remember the name of the cat. And this cat – Isn't that a, a candy bar?
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. I'm thinking of just a Heath bar.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it was named after a cartoon cat. The cartoon cat was a male, I think, but this was a female mama cat. Anyway, she gave birth uh-huh. in a cardboard box in our laundry room. And, uh, she ate all the heads off her babies. The mom?! The mom ate all the heads off of her own children, and just... What left. the fuck?! She left all the bodies. That was my first encounter with death. Why would she do that?! I don't know, but from then on I hated cats. Like, I've, I've always hated cats. I think cats are That's evil. brutal! But that was my first encounter with death.
1: Hold on, hold on. I found a picture of Heathcliff. I'm gonna put him up.
0: Pull up the picture of Heathcliff.
2: Heathcliff was a grey cat, and uh, I think the cartoon cat was grey as well.
1: He's an orange one, it
0: looks like.
2: Oh, he's orange. I guess Heathcliff was an orange cat, man. I don't fucking remember. I was three or four, so. All I remember was little cat kitten bodies.
0: Oh. Why would the mother cat do that? How many bodies were there, do you remember?
2: We thought that it was because we were petting the kittens when they were young and she didn't recognize their scent
0: i remember people saying that
2: it was a myth when we were growing up but it seemed true i mean it, i saw it i don't know if it's true or not but let me look it up real she quick. murdered her babies though that's for sure
1: wasn't there a similar situation like that where the cat like murdered all her children by putting them in the pool in the backyard and like drowned them all
2: i didn't hear about that one that's brutal that's a much more humane way to tr- kill them than uh, snapping their necks. i'm pretty sure that happened
0: Okay, so I looked it up. Can you pet a newborn kitten? And this is what Google has to say. Don't do it. Depending on the mother's character and other circumstances, you can sometimes handle a newborn kitten soon after birth. Pet play suggests briefly holding the kittens once a day to check they are gaining weight. However, take care not to touch the kittens too much as this may distress the mother. Holy fuck, that mother cat was out of its goddamn mind.
2: I think we stressed her out because we were playing with her babies constantly. <laughs>
0: She was like, fuck it. I'll just eat their heads. See how they like that.
2: She's like, oh, fine. You want to play with them? No one gets them.
0: God damn. That's funny that you say that because my first experience with death was also with kittens. Oh, shit. I feel like that's with a lot of people, I guess, dude. Cats are really weird creatures. The
2: Egyptians actually praised cats as like an emblem of death as well. They were like the guardians of death. It's interesting. Dude,
0: there's something else. Oh, that's a really creepy picture you sent me, Ronnie. Um, but yeah, they're they're really crazy. The fact that just out of nowhere, you know, in three in the morning, they'll just start losing their shit, or you'll just be petting them, and then all of a sudden they'll look into the corner and take off like they saw a spirit or something. They're very odd creatures.
1: I think one of the worst noises is like hearing cats boning down outside. You just hear them
0: boning or fighting <laughs> just in general they make some really odd sounds demonic almost yeah uh, i want to go ahead and explain to you guys my first experience with death let me preface this by saying i'm an animal lover i love everything from the basic house cat to the superbly dangerous hippopotamus
2: <laughs> well, you're about to be an animal fucker
0: yeah what you're about to hear it makes me <laughs> sound like the worst an animal fucker uh, where I grew up as a child, there was a bunch of stray kittens.
2: I thought you were gonna say sexy animals. Sexy animals. No, <laughs> I
0: haven't quite got into bestiality until I was about sixteen. The goats. When I went to my first donkey show in Mexico. No, no goats. I don't like their eyeballs. They turn me off. <laughs> but there was a batch of kittens that grew up in a barn right next to our house. And um I used to play with these kittens like they were a bunch of toys oh no and by play i mean torture unbeknownst to me i was torturing these fucking kittens as a child i would slide them across the floor place them on tables and watch them fall off i would even dunk their heads into water yeah, you know just and watch them drown i was just playing with them like they didn't have a soul like they weren't living creatures
1: how old were you damn bro
0: i was man i couldn't have been more than like seven or eight i was just a child like you didn't understand that they weren't sentient i didn't understand
1: yeah no uh guilt or anything like that
0: no because uh, to my child mind i wasn't doing anything wrong i was just playing with them like i didn't know things could die back then I was playing with them, but little did I know I was experiencing with the fragility of life. Eventually, one of the kittens stopped responding, and it was the only white one in the litter. I was very confused as to what was going on. I had no idea about the concept of death. After sitting there in shock for a while, looking at its cold, motionless body, I decided I had to get rid of it. You know, the serial killer instinct that lies within all of us. Did
2: you know you did something wrong at that point, you think?
0: I knew something was wrong because this creature that was full of life and making noise and responding was just laying there limp. Nothing. So I went to the back of the barn and I buried this poor kitten, then walked away to my room. Then within the hour, my grandpa came running in and got me and it looked like the gig was up. So I followed him out to the barn and I asked myself, how did they find the body? When they took me to the crime scene, I realized I only buried the kitten halfway. The hind legs were still sticking out from the dirt, dude. Oh no. So
2: you did a bad job of hiding it?
0: I did a bad job at hiding the body. (laughs) Ever since that day, not only have I... (laughs) appreciated yeah yeah i just left the body like half buried and the moon found looped.
2: i'm never gonna let you hide the body motherfucker.
0: <laughs> yeah if we ever kill someone or you guys ever need help disposing a body <laughs> you're not in charge yeah do not get me involved because i will fuck it up royally but ever since that day dude i've loved cats and i wouldn't hurt an animal for fucking any reason like i love animals completely but it it was just really weird i don't know what i was thinking i mean i wasn't thinking i was just a child ever since then i realized how fragile life can be it's just really weird that it was the only white kitten in the lot that i I killed
2: do you think in that sense you actually sympathize with cat blaster
0: cat blaster what's that
2: you don't know cat blaster (laughs)
0: No, is that the guy who killed a cat or something? Yeah. Cat oh, no, 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 no. Fuck that, because I'm pretty sure he had an idea what he was doing, and he's just a sociopath. So you
2: wouldn't kill a cat, right? No,
0: now. fuck no, dude. I wouldn't kill any animal. What
2: if it pissed you off?
0: No, dude. I mean, I can't. I can't. I don't have it in me.
2: I don't believe you, dude.
0: I can just remember, dude.
2: But imagine how fun it would be, Brian. <laughs> you would torture him. and be so fun, dude.
0: Oh, it'd be a blast, I'm sure.
2: Grinding their faces against the concrete. <laughs>
0: Dude, it's just, it's just so crazy. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? I just remember just sliding them. <laughs> You're a piece of shit. I remember dunking their heads in water and leaving their heads underwater. It's fucking horrifying.
1: So out of curiosity, um, do you remember how the kitten died exactly?
2: Yeah, what was the final death nail?
0: I don't know if it's from me drowning it or just putting it on top of, like, the shelf and just watching it fall off. Oh, man. They were just baby kittens, dude. It was the worst. And um, it's really haunting, but I mean, I would never do such a thing in this world. And I think that kitten needed to die for me to learn my lesson or else to this day, I'd still be killing.
2: So you truly look at it like that was like innocent childhood exploration that you were fully innocent. You're fully innocent.
0: I am fully innocent. Never in a thousand years will I kill a cat knowing what death is. I'm not fucking crazy, guys. I know you guys want me to admit that I'm nuts. It ain't gonna happen. Not on this podcast, All right,
1: Brian, that's exactly what a serial killer would say.
0: Dude, have you ever nutted on your own (laughs) tum-tum? Yeah. I've had my own nut pull in my belly button just like the rest of you guys. But, yeah, um, what about you, Ronnie? Have you ever had, what was your first experience with death?
1: Uh Um, well, me and we're talking about it recently, and I was like, I kind of remember being a kid and like being afraid of death at a young age too. And I'd like randomly wake up in the middle of the night and like start crying and being like, I don't want to die. I don't want my mom and dad to die. I don't want any of my family and friends to die. And like I'd start like panicking and like I'd like run to my parents' room and be like, You're gonna die, crying. And they'd be like, yeah, they'd be like, Calm down. We're not gonna die and stuff. And
2: like, Yeah, you are though.
0: <laughs>
1: they lied to me. Yeah, your parents
0: are fucking lying to you, dude.
1: Um, (laughs) They're gonna die. So, but yeah, they used to just like chill me out and stuff. But um, I think my first actual encounter with death that um, made me realize like things that you love can die is whenever like my first dog that I, I got to name, Blue. Uh, we all lived together at, at this little house. It was like a ghetto little house in the neighborhood, but... Um,
2: Pile Street.
1: Pile Street, yeah. My parents let me name a dog, and I named him Blue because that was my favorite color, so I named him after it, but I, I don't know how old I was at the time. Pretty young. Probably like eight or seven. I don't know. One day, um, Uncle Tommy came to bring over some antifreeze or something for our pops, and he like left it in the backyard, and it was like, in an easily accessible container, and the dog went and drank it and ended up
2: dying. Oh! If you don't know, antifreeze is apparently fucking tasty. Try it
0: out. Why would they make it so delicious? Yeah, I guess- I don't know, it's
2: apparently sweet and delicious.
1: Yeah, I think I found my dog dead outside and-
2: Uncle Tommy was very sad about it.
1: It was a real heavy moment for me. I remember I was like crying and pretty devastated and um, we ended up having to have a burial for him. And I like left like some like tokens of memory and stuff for my dog. That was probably one of the first times I've experienced like a death type thing. Like
0: Damn, dude. It's brutal, but it's the reality that we all will die. I do remember an episode of the Rugrats where Chucky had his roly-poly that died. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Melvin. Melvin. How sad was that?
1: Yeah. I'm surprised you remember his name. Or it might have been
2: Milton. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah,
0: maybe. All I know is I remember him trying to put him on the little tightrope for him to walk on, and he kept falling off. And
2: he was in denial.
0: Just seeing the tears in Chucky's eyes, yeah, that was all of us, bro. See,
2: that was Gilgamesh in denial of Enkidu's death.
0: Yeah, I also remember another time whenever it was a different <laughs> batch of kittens. Like I said, where I grew up, there was a lot of kittens. But we had a dog named Sarge. Right? He was he was a. uh oh, no. He was a husky. And he was really cool, he was chill. And as far as I knew, he got along with the kittens. Until one day I woke up for school and I looked out the window and I saw something shiny in the grass. And I walk outside and the entrails of one of the kittens is scattered throughout the yard. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then up comes Sarge with the severed head of the kitten in his mouth still. And I was like, holy fuck.
2: Did you rub his tongue? down
0: I said good boy. He dropped in. I threw the head and he shaped like a ball.
2: <laughs> just kidding. No, oh
0: my god. By this time, I, I have already killed the king, so I was just like, okay, well, I can't judge. Yes, no, you know, I can't judge him. I've done things <laughs> myself, but...
2: You didn't judge Sarge. Yeah.
0: It made me realize that I too am an animal.
1: Um, that, that's true. That does remind me of this other time. It wasn't a death, but we had a dog named, like, Cowboy or something like that. <laughs> he tried to jump over, like, a six-foot fence. In half. And caught his nutsack on the fence. Oh, did he die? He slit his nutsack open, and apparently there was maggots
0: inside of his nutsack. Already?
1: Yeah. Just shout out to Gilgamesh.
0: <laughs> there were maggots in his nutsack before he cut it or because he cut it?
1: <laughs> they were there already. It cut open and revealed maggots.
2: Yeah, it looked like he had an infection that we didn't know about or something. And we saw it because it slit his nuts open and there was maggots
0: everywhere. He died.
2: Yeah, he, he, I
1: guess he died. I was pretty young at that time, too. I've just heard stories. But... He
0: probably just gave up, dude. It's like, oh, not only did I cut my balls, but maggots came out. How embarrassing. I'm just going to die.
2: That's when we lived in Amarillo. So, of course, it was a disease-ridden, horrible place.
0: That was a very mysterious time when you guys lived over there.
2: I think that place is evil. Yeah.
0: I'm telling you, there's something in that water. Feels evil. Every time I visit Amarillo and shout out to uh, KK again and the, the, the rest of our family, but I felt like a lot of people over there are really apish. You know what I mean? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Very ape looking, Neanderthalish.
2: Please drop some Donkey Kong music here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I do have a question for you guys and I think this one might incorporate in mind. Have you guys ever had to pretend sleep through an awkward situation? Yeah. Like where you're awake but you're pretending to be asleep because it's awkward? Yes. So here's a situation where I had to pretend sleep through an awkward situation and let me know if you were there Gilgamesh because you may have been It was in Portales, New Mexico, and I was at my buddy Record D's apartment, and it was me, Derek, and Connor was also there. That's why I'm thinking maybe you were there too, Gilgamesh. Maybe. And we were hanging out. There was like five or six of us. I don't know why we were over there or what. Maybe we were like doing parkour or something, because I remember uh, Derek had like a little parkour stage in his life to where he just wanted to climb shit and run fast, you know? Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's pretty fun. We were bored, but uh, it's pretty fun if your agility is high enough. We were hanging out at Derek's house, and it was time to go to sleep. You know, We had a full, fun day of climbing, running, playing, chit-chatting, talking about our feelings, etc. We might have been robo-tripping, too. I don't know. So Derek was like, all right, guys, um, I don't have enough beds for all of you, but I do got a couch in the living room that has a pull-out bed, right? And so Derek goes to bed in his room. His roommate, Ian, went to his room and went to bed. So it was me, Connor. Do you recognize any of this, Gilgamesh? Not yet. Okay, so you might not have been there. So it was me, Connor, some chick, and another guy or two there. I don't know. It was, it was a while ago. And um, it was time to go to bed. And you know, everyone called where they want to sleep. Oh, I'm going to sleep on this part of the couch. Or I'm going to sleep on the pullout bed. And I was the last one to say anything. So I ended up sleeping underneath the pull-out bed, just underneath it for some reason. It was the only available space. and I'm, That sucks. Yeah, and I'm small enough, and I kind of just like slid under there. Well, I'm laying there, and I can't fall asleep. And um, the other two gentlemen that I'm with, they fall asleep relatively quickly. I could hear them snoring that, or they were pretending to be asleep like me. Connor and the chick that he's with, they're sleeping above me. Or so I think they're sleeping. I start to hear a bunch of noise, right? And I start to hear, like, grunting and heavy breathing, right? This motherfucker ends up fucking this chick on the bed above me. And I'm just sitting there like, is this really happening? I start hearing, like, juicy sounds, right? And the breathing starts to get heavier. And then he starts straight up fucking this chick right above me. So I'm just laying there, right? And I'm just, like, listening and... I might have a boner. I don't know. How
2: wet are we talking?
0: Juicy, dude. Like they just didn't. Been, they didn't been give a fuck. Like they. They had to know I was awake, dude. I'm yeah. Like under and it's sneaky. You're performing it at this point. I'm sweating bullets. And
1: he's
2: just,
0: oh my god, he is fucking the shit out of her. It is. It was incredible. Like this motherfucker was nailing her. Overall, you gave him a positive review. It was great, dude. Like, I was impressed. <laughs> like, the fucking dick game is strong. <laughs> and so I'm just laying there, and just fucking the shit out of her. And I'm, like, kind of, like, peeking over at the other guys. Like, are they awake? Nope. They're sleeping. They're doing, you know, like, that sleep breathing that people do where, you know, you could tell they're asleep. And he's just fucking her brains out, dude. And eventually they stop, and they go to sleep, and I'm just sitting there still, like, Whoa. This guy just fucked this chick right on top of me. You know what I mean? It was kind of like I had a threesome in a in a weird way, but not really.
2: Yeah, all that was between you was a few inches of cloth, really.
0: Yeah, that's it.
2: You Did it you like get you cooked, cooked kind of?
0: No, she did not want to fuck me, dude. I was just this <laughs> weird Mexican. <laughs> under the bed. I think I had long hair. You were
2: know like a weird Mexican under the bed that she fucked on.
0: Yeah, like, could you imagine like the weird Mexicans underneath the bed? I was like the Kukui. You were the cuckoo, but you are chilling. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> you're actually enjoying it you're like well, wow, he's doing a good job <laughs> you're like impressive
2: good pacing
0: <laughs> it was pretty fun dude yeah i was like damn i would have busted a long time ago this motherfucker has stamina
2: <laughs> dude i'm proud of my boy then
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it was creamy it was a creamy good time and um that <laughs> yeah. was one awkward situation i had to sleep through uh what about you Ronnie? did you think of one
1: it sucks because I, I feel like i don't really have any that come to mind for that
0: that's fine i mean uh, it was just a uh, something that i thought about and i figured i could ask you fellas however gilgamesh would you like to lay down your banger on us
2: oh yeah so i'm gonna put my on blast
0: <laughs>
2: so this is got, like kind of before we all before was openly gay, actually. Uh-huh. So it's pretty interesting that he was this ballsy with his behavior. <laughs> it's also sexual themed. So when he lived at the apartments in Las Cruces, New Mexico, some of us might remember that. I stayed at his house for like a summer, and he put up like an air mattress on the bedroom floor in his room. Well, he had another roommate who was a male. It was a guy named and um I would sleep on the floor and room and most of the time to sleep in his own bedroom, but that night slept in bed with him and um I heard basically some wet butthole sounds or something. <laughs> <laughs> but um I, I I did not stay for very long at all. As soon as I heard what I anticipated to be the sound of basically like something wet rubbing against something meaty, I don't know. <laughs> I heard some wet and meaty sounds. All I know is I stood up. Were you in the living room? No, I was laying on the bedroom floor of his bedroom. He lived in an apartment. He was sharing this with several roommates.
1: I could have swore this story was at a motel room.
2: No. That happened later, bro. And I'm going to include that story. (laughs) There's a part two? There's a part two, bro.
0: Just like the Epic of Gilgamesh. You You might
2: censor his name.
0: Oh, yeah. We're going to censor all this.
2: But fuck for doing that anyway. He did this to me anyway, so fuck him. But um all <laughs> right
1: i do not approve
2: well i don't approve you showing my text messages people motherfucker anyway basically banged this dude while i was in the room and um i fucking stood up and i just got out of there i left immediately um which wasn't <laughs> a problem i was like fine you're an adult you do what you want whatever but I, i thought it was weird that you did that when i was in the room this again happened. I, I graduated from like my specialty training in the military, and my whole family visited me in San Antonio. And again, I slept in the same room with and his then-boyfriend. And the, again, I heard meaty butthole sounds and <laughs> zippers and, and fiddling about in the dark. And I was like, dude, I can fucking hear you. And I fucking I said, I'm not dealing with it. And I went and I slept on the floor in my parents' bedroom. And I said, what's wrong? And I wouldn't tell him what was wrong. <laughs> Eventually, everyone found out what had happened, but...
0: <laughs> he just likes to fuck in front of you, dude.
2: I don't know. In the same room, at least. No, I just think he likes to fuck, and he doesn't care who's there. I don't think it's me.
0: Mother Teresa could have been laying on that goddamn floor.
2: <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't matter. He would still get his dick wet, you know?
0: Oh my God.
2: <laughs> yeah, feel free to censor the names on that.
0: <laughs> goddamn. What do you think of that, Ronnie? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: No comment.
0: No comment. Damn, dude. Yeah, so I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one who had to. Well, you got up and left. I probably would have just laid there and pretended to stay asleep. I got up and
2: left on both occasions. No, I couldn't do it. I can just listen to ass slap on ass. <laughs> and knowing it was man ass and. <laughs> oh, what a time to be alive. I had to get out of there. It was going to get row- rowdy.
0: <laughs> Holy fuck. Um, were there a... Uh, Goddamn, dude. I'm like almost in tears. Uh, were there any other topics you wanted to cover, Ronnie, before we called it a show?
1: Um, no, I think we are pretty good.
2: The last one put Ryan out of the ballpark. <laughs>
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I think we're going to go ahead and we're going to wrap this episode. Episode 7 of Planet Paradox, lucky number 7. If you like to play the lottery, now is your time. Once again, I would like to thank my two wonderful hosts, Gilgamesh and Ryan Lyon, for joining me today. What a great story, Gilgamesh. Thank you for giving us a rundown on your username. For sure. I feel like uh, less people are going to be confused about what that means. And uh, Ryan, thank you for being you. Thank you for having the ability to just make things better. I feel like you could wrap a grapefruit. You know what I mean? If I just gave you a grapefruit, you could just wrap it and make it into a nice piece. You're
1: going to give me that chicken tender. Chicken
0: tendies. You are a talented son of a bitch, and I'm glad to have you here. Thanks again for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to write us with any criticism, questions, or just talk about how disgusting we are, Planet Paradox Podcast at Gmail is the place to go. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, I bid you adieu.